May the force be with you. But is that what the Holy Spirit is? Is the Holy Spirit a force? Is the Holy Spirit something that connects us to everything in the universe, with each other, with the earth, with the stars? Is it just an energy field or an aura that takes place around us that if we can just connect to, then somehow we have found it and somehow it makes a difference? Because that's the picture of spirituality for so many people. That there's just sort of an energy field, there's a force out there. And once you connect to that force, it changes your life. You begin to understand things better, you begin to have more power, you begin to see the world in a different way. But too many of us are ignorant of the force around us. We don't look for it, we don't try to find it. And as a result, we just never get into it and so we're stuck in this rut of humanity where, you know, we, we're cruel to each other and we're mean to each other and we say bad things because we haven't let that force and that energy really flow through us to connect us to one another because indeed we're all connected. So if we could just learn to connect to that force and we do it through a lot of meditation, we do it through yoga practices, we do it by centering our minds on certain words and incantations. We have positive affirmations to make our day go better, to say the right words because we know there's power in our words. And once we connect to that force, then life becomes better and we go in the right direction. See, when you read things about this country that says spirituality is on the rise, it's true that people are interested in the spirit, but it's not really the Holy Spirit that they're talking about. Because once you reduce the Holy Spirit to an impersonal force or just an energy field or just something that connects us to each other, you sort of miss what the Holy Spirit is all about. For many in the church, it seems, too, as well, that they have sort of adapted this idea that the Holy Spirit is some kind of force to be tapped into. And so often you will hear people talk about wanting the power of the Holy Spirit without really understanding what the Holy Spirit is. And so they just want to connect to the Holy Spirit so they can have some kind of power so that they can make their life different, so their life can be better, but is it really a force that is connected to? Is that how you find the Holy Spirit? Is that what it's all about? Just this week again, I get so many teaching materials and things to sift through and uh, just on every subject you can imagine. And one of the themes that keeps coming through and one I got again just this week is the teaching that the power of life and death is in your tongue. That you have the power of life and death in your words. And this is Christian teaching. This is not the world throwing you the Star Wars force. This is coming from established churches. That the power of life and death is in your tongue and that your words have the creative force to change your life. And the way that you find that creative force is to tap into the Holy Spirit. And when you begin 
to understand the power of your words, your life will change because the Holy Spirit will help you change it. So we know when we wake up in the morning, we need to say positive things because then we'll have a positive day. If you wake up and say negative things, you're going to have a negative day. And when you talk to people, say positive things to people because that will be better than saying negative things to people. Now, that's a real challenge because some people do make you want to say negative things, but the idea is just let that ride by and just try to be nice to them, even if they're the meanest people in the whole wide world. But eventually it gets to your creative force of words. And so if you begin to speak good words in the morning, not only will you have a positive day, but you can actually harness the power of the Holy Spirit to give you what you want. So if you want to be wealthy, you just start saying you're wealthy. If you want to be healed, you just claim your healing and say you're healed. Now, all the evidence may point to something totally different, but if you believe it, it'll happen. And I'll even tell you because... God is obligated to you because of who you are and what you've done. You know, if you just think about that for a second, you just know that's not right. I mean, if we could say and create anything by our words, how come none of you won that billion-dollar lottery last, you know, the other day? It would help the church if you would tithe on that. We don't have any tap into a force or energy to create wealth or anything other than to do it the good old-fashioned way. But even the church begins to reduce sometimes the Holy Spirit to that impersonal force that once you connect to, it's like your little servant that you can make do anything you want. But is that the Holy Spirit? And is that what it's all about? Now, the opposite side of that is the people that recognize, indeed, the Bible does not teach the Holy Spirit as an impersonal force. They teach the Holy, it teaches the Holy Spirit as a person. But who is that person? Because sometimes when it becomes about a person, it becomes all about relationships and all about emotions and all about feelings. So the way to connect to the Holy Spirit is to be in a relationship with him where your emotions are touched, where you experience the feeling of being in his presence. This is the mystic side of religion. That if we just feel right, somehow we'll be right. And every connection we have is based on experience. There was a book out not long ago. You'll probably hear it again because I think they're going to make a movie out of it. It was called The Shack. It was a big hit in religious circles, particularly Christian circles. And that's why I bring it up, because sometimes I wonder, do Christians have any more sense than anybody else in the rest of the world? Because if you read the Bible, you should know a little bit about it by this point, but it seems we're so easily swayed by everything that sounds good. And that's my interpretation of the shack. 
this book that went on to explain the Trinity to someone who had had difficult in life and didn't understand the suffering and all the things that happened. And so it's a book where the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are given personalities in an attempt to show this guy that the Lord really does love you and really does care even when you don't understand it. And when it came to the person of the Holy Spirit, it was given a name and a personage and a woman. And this is a quote from the shack about the Holy Spirit. He says, this is God talking to him, or first of all, the character, and then the answers from God. It says, speaking of Sarah Yu, is she the Holy Spirit? Yes, she is creativity. She is action. She is the breathing of life. She is much more. She is my spirit. And then how do you connect? He went on to say, you might see me, the Holy Spirit, in a piece of art or music or silence or through people or in creation or in your joy and sorrow. My ability to communicate is limitless, living and transforming. And it would always be turned to Papa's, that's God's goodness and love. And you will hear and see me in the Bible in fresh ways. Just don't look for rules and principles. Look for relationship, a way of coming to be with us. Now that sounds more spiritual. And that's personalized the Holy Spirit to a person. But again, is that what the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit? If the Holy Spirit cannot be reduced to an impersonal force, then can you reduce the Holy Spirit to just any person in the universe? Can you make the Holy Spirit female? Can you make the Holy Spirit anybody? Is that the face that God puts on the Holy Spirit? Anybody that you want to be in a relationship with and anybody you want to be connected to. And then... Does the Holy Spirit say things that actually aren't found in the Word of God? Because throughout the shack, you read a lot of quotes that really aren't from the Word of God and actually kind of contradict it. Like that one we just read. Don't look for rules and principles. Look for relationship. Now, we want relationship, but it's like, Rules and regulations don't go with relationship as, as if they're opposite. You can't have a relationship without rules. You can't have a deep, solid relationship with anybody unless there's some understanding of what it means to be in that relationship. If you want a good marriage, you want to be in love and have a relationship with the person you're married to, but I would say you can't have a marriage without rules. The first rule is don't commit adultery because you're not going to have a very good relationship if you break that rule. And there's a million other rules you can add to it. The longer you're married, the more rules you get. Like not just don't commit adultery, it's like who takes out the garbage on a given day or who's going to empty the dishwasher. You know, you have to have some kind of understanding of what's happening. But there's this mystic idea in Christianity sometimes that we can just be in relationship with God. And if we're in relationship, everything will work out and we won't have any problems with anybody. 
because the Holy Spirit just sort of makes us get along with everybody because we're all spirit-filled. And so if we're all spirit-filled, there should be no contentions among us. Of course, the problem with that is for the last 2,000 years of Christianity, nobody's actually ever achieved that because we still have the influence of sin in our culture and it's hard to get rid of it. But for many Christians, being connected to the Holy Spirit means having some kind of experience with him. And that experience becomes the norm sometimes over and above the word of God. That whatever I feel and whatever happened to me when I was introduced to the Holy Spirit, that is the feeling or the way that everybody else has to be connected to him as well. Because our relationship with the Lord is what's important. And the more people want that kind of relationship, the more you will find them not in church. Because church is too imperfect. Church has too many rules. Church has too many problems. I can just be in a relationship with Christ all by myself. I don't need anybody else. Because frankly, other people get in your way. Other people are hard to deal with. So it's just easier not to have to deal with them. So we don't need the established church. We don't need that imperfect institution where people come together and some of them gossip and some of them are mean and some of them don't even act like they know who the Holy Spirit is. We don't want to be around those kind of people. We just want to be in a fellowship group where we all enjoy that relationship with the Holy Spirit. But is that what the Holy Spirit is? See, we can have all kinds of ideas about what the Holy Spirit is, but where do we go to find out the truth? Because if we're going to have a religion with the Holy Spirit and not one without the Holy Spirit, we have to know what that looks like and what that means. Now, we know that religions that aren't even Christian are talking about a different spirit than the Holy Spirit. But even in Christian circles, you find a lot of confusion about what the Holy Spirit is. So what does it mean? to have religion with the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit look like? And for that, we begin with who the Holy Spirit is. See, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. We've been singing about the Trinity all morning. God in three persons, blessed Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all God, all Jesus, all Spirit, all the same entity, all the same person. That means that the Holy Spirit can never be reduced to just an impersonal force because the Holy Spirit is God. He's the creator. He, he was there at the beginning. He is, was there at the birth of Jesus. He's there in every new birth because he's part of the creator God. He is the creator God. And the Bible always refers to the Holy Spirit with the pronoun he. He will do this because the Holy Spirit is Jesus. And so you cannot change the Holy Spirit into any other person or any other entity or identity because it's part of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that makes them one. And Jesus referred to him that way. Before Jesus was crucified, he tried to explain to his disciples 
that the Holy Spirit would come and what the Holy Spirit would do so that they would be ready for what happened. And in John chapter 14, Jesus says this about the Holy Spirit, starting in verse 15. He says to his disciples, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be within you. And then on verse 26, he says, But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would be the spirit of truth. And if the Holy Spirit is the teacher of truth, that means there actually has to be a truth out there that we can find. There is an absolute truth concerning God. And that means the Holy Spirit leads us into an understanding of the truth of who God really is. We cannot fashion God into being what we want him to be. That's the very basis of idolatry. That's what God has always been against. God is who he is. When he said, I am who I am, he hasn't changed. And our desire to make God the way we want him to be will not lead us to truth. But if you're being directed by the Holy Spirit, you will come to an understanding of who God really is. The Holy Spirit understands there's an absolute truth concerning our relationship with God. And that truth is that our relationship with God has been broken, and it was broken because of sin. And if the sin question is not handled, then that relationship cannot be established. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, knows that without the Holy Spirit, we'll never come to an understanding of the truth. See, we can have all kinds of ideas of how the world works and what will bring blessing and what won't and, you know, just all kinds of concepts out there. But only the Holy Spirit can actually lead you to the truth of the matter. And without the Holy Spirit, we can't find Jesus. We can't find the truth. Because the Bible says we don't find him. He finds us. And when he calls us, his spirit brings us to an understanding of the truth of who God is, who Jesus is, and who the Holy Spirit is. But boy, we live in a culture and a world today that doesn't want absolute truth. In fact, you talk to most people, they'll tell you there's no such thing as absolute truth. Everything is just situational. It's whatever you want it to be. And so what works in one situation may not work in a different situation. So then you get down to, well, who am I to judge? I mean, how, how do I know who's right and who's wrong? Because it's so difficult to tell what's right and wrong because every situation is different. Or we're all just going to find our own truth. You know, if that's true for you, that's good. You go with it. And if this is true for me, then I can go with this. Well, I'll go with whatever truth we want to. And who am I to judge if your truth is wrong? And who are you to tell me that my truth is wrong? 
we all just want our own truth. But that's not truth. If there's an absolute truth, there can only be one way. But we don't like one way. We don't like absolute truth. We all like our own ways. But if we're all going our own way, then the Holy Spirit is not leading because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Even in the church today, nobody wants to really find the truth anymore. I get invited to so many things we could be a part of if we could just all get along together and not worry about doctrine. That's the mantra of the church today. Let's not worry about doctrine because doctrine's divisive. You know, you want that doctrine. This church over here wants this doctrine. Who's to say who's right? Because after all, you know, uh, you can make the Bible say anything you want to anyway, so let's not get too carried away with these points of doctrine. But if the church is full of the Holy Spirit or led by the Holy Spirit, then there is a truth to be found. And if we know the truth, why would we compromise it? We don't have to get along with people by compromising the truth. When you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And so we have to understand that. <laughs> when the Holy Spirit isn't in it, we reduce doctrine and we increase good works. So we can all come together and do good works because that's what the culture needs to see. They need to see good works by Christians, which is sort of a veiled way of saying Christians don't usually do good works. Now, we do good works. I don't misunderstand. We need to feed the poor. We need to help people, give them a coat. That's all in the Bible. But that's all comes from our relationship with Christ. And works are used to bring the gospel message to people. The government can do good works. And it's not led by the Holy Spirit at all. So that in itself isn't enough. We don't come together just to do good works. We come together to introduce people to Jesus Christ so that their lives can be changed. And how does the Holy Spirit do that? Jesus went on in John chapter 16 to tell us, starting in verse 7. He says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. 
See, Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, the first thing that the Holy Spirit is going to do is reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. What's that mean? That means if the Holy Spirit is at work in the world, in the church, in your life, it is going to change your understanding about sin, righteousness, and judgment. He says, why does sin need to be talked about? He said, because people don't believe in Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit has to draw people to the understanding of who Jesus is. And that encompasses the fact that Jesus came into the world to save us from our sin. And so the truth of sin is, is that sin has broken our relationship with God, and until sin is taken care of, no relationship can happen. But we don't sin anymore. We've mostly redefined sin. So sin isn't violating the word of God and the commandments there. Good heavens, that's Old Testament mostly. And that what's in the New Testament we can't understand anyway. And so we just redefine the whole thing and say, and eh, no, no, sure I sin. Sin has just been reduced to violating your conscience. If it's wrong, you shouldn't do it. But if it doesn't feel wrong to you, then okay, you can do it. But if the Holy Spirit is the convictor of sin, where does the concept of sin come from? It comes from Jesus, and it comes from the Word of God for us. And what was sin in the Garden of Eden is still sin today. It's that desire to think you don't need God, that you don't have to follow his rules, that you can live your life independent of God, and it doesn't work. If we haven't redefined sin, we just... Admit it's not our fault. Well, I wouldn't sin if people would leave me alone. You know, if you had to deal with the people I'd deal with, you'd lose it too. Or for our culture, we've redefined it. It's not sin. It's the environment you grew up in. It's poverty. It's, you know, difficult people. It's a lack of jobs. It's all kinds of things that make people do the wrong thing, but never a heart condition that actually needs to be changed. So when you have a church that doesn't have the Holy Spirit actively working in it, you will have a church that doesn't want to talk about sin. And unfortunately, we have too many areas now where sin is just not part of preaching anymore. We need to make the gospel attractive to the world. And once we make it attractive to people, they will be drawn. An attractive gospel is not what draws people to church. It's the Holy Spirit that draws people to church. And an attractive gospel is usually not the right gospel. So we don't, we entertain them. We talk about everything but sin. We make them feel good. We preach psychology more than the word. But sin is the fundamental problem in the universe. And if you don't deal with it, then nothing's ever really going to change. So a church without the Holy Spirit would rather entertain than talk about the real problem. Or they'll go to the opposite extreme, and it's all about experience. Let's just come together and have a wonderful worship experience. 
Let's just all sing for three or four hours and not do anything else. Let's just all pray in some kind of mystic way. And boy, you've got a lot of things now to help you pray. Let's say it this way. Let's do it this way. And let's just all be together. Let's not talk about anything of importance. Let's just all experience the Holy Spirit. Well, that's not it either. Because the Holy Spirit is the leader of truth. And what he brings us to is the understanding that sin is the problem in everything. You got a relationship problem with somebody, it's because sin is somewhere in that relationship, either in them or in you. We got a problem in this world, it's because of sin. And the Holy Spirit shows us that because Jesus Christ is the Redeemer, sin is the area that needs to be taken care of. He said he not only comes to bring us the truth about sin, but bring us the truth about righteousness. And he says, why righteousness? Because he said he ascended and he sits up at the right hand of God. He's in heaven. In other words, he conquered death. He conquered sin. And that's obvious to anybody because it was evident in the resurrection. And so that means the Holy Spirit, when he's working, shows you if sin is the problem, the remedy for sin is Jesus Christ because he conquered sin. That means only his blood can take away sin and assure us of eternal life. That's why when we baptize people like we did today, we can say that old nature, that sinful nature, that thing that was against God is left behind. And you come out of those waters a new person. And you're going in a new direction because sin no longer has a hold of your life. You now are directed by the Holy Spirit. And not by the power of sin. It was interesting when we were on our trip overseas on the cruise with people. When we were at Rome and looking at some of the churches that are in Rome. We went by one that has a beautiful baptistry built. And it's outside the church. It's its own separate building. Because when it was built in the Middle Ages, you couldn't go into the church unless you were baptized. So you got to get baptized out of the church before you ever could go into the church because the church was only for believers. And you know what? Everybody wanted to be baptized. The church grew by leaps and bounds. They didn't try to make it attractive gospel to sinners. They told sinners the opposite. You can't come in until you've dealt with sin. And they baptized them, and then they came into the church, and they never left, most of them. Because when the Holy Spirit's working and you see that you're a sinner and you know the remedy for sin is Jesus Christ, then you know that the only righteousness you'll ever receive is the righteousness that's imputed or given to you by God. You can't earn it. You can't make yourself righteous. You can't be good enough. But God knows you can never be good enough. And he doesn't care how bad you were. When he imputes righteousness to you, you are righteous. And that can only come through Jesus Christ. See, we want to seek righteousness anymore in our works. And that's where the church is beginning to get off track and, and moving without the Holy Spirit. Because they say, if we just do good works for people, they'll see how good we are. And eventually they'll want to come to church because they'll be so impressed with all of us wonderful good people. But you find out after what, they're not really impressed with us at all. 
You know, they don't want to go to church. They may like you. They don't want to be with you. They got their own friends. The Holy Spirit has to be drawing them if they're going to come to the knowledge that sin is taking them in the wrong direction. And the only way righteousness can be achieved is through Jesus Christ. And then third, he says, the Holy Spirit will reprove the world of judgment. And why judgment? Because he says, the prince of this world now stands condemned. In other words, Jesus had power over hell and the grave, Satan. Satan couldn't hold him. And so he's been defeated. And that's a truth that we have to grasp. He is defeated. He's not winning anything. He just makes you think he is. But we have to understand that means there's a war on. And there's a war for our souls. And we cannot reduce the concept of evil to just some abstract idea. See, that's one of the things that the Holy Spirit says in that book, The Shack, uh, that is so deceiving and uh, things that amaze me that the Christian church doesn't pay more attention to. Because when the Holy Spirit spoke in that book, and I've heard it everywhere, it says, you don't understand, talking to the guy, evil is just the absence of good. It just means that when you fail to do the right thing, then evil is the wrong thing. No. Evil is not an abstract idea. It is not the failure to do good. Evil is found in a person, an angelic fall of Satan, and he is at war with God, and the soul of every person on the planet hangs in the balance. It is a real war. It is a legitimate war. There is evil in our world, and it is not just some abstract thing. It is a presence that wants to defeat us. And if we just sit back and let the devil have his way, then pretty soon we won't have a church at all because he knows he's real. All he has to do is get you to think he's not real that judgment's never going to come, or that judgment is just, you know, whatever we want it to be. God is all love. After all, he won't judge anybody. Then he's won the war. But if you understand that souls hang in the balance, then you understand it's not just good works for good works' sake. It's that opportunity to preach the gospel message to a world that needs to hear it. And the Holy Spirit goes forth in the preaching of the word in a way we'll never understand. When I read stories like William Booth, like we talked about last week, how he could just start preaching on a sidewalk and thousands of people would listen, you have to know the Holy Spirit's in that. Because most of us, if we start preaching on a sidewalk, nobody listens. You know, we don't even like to do that. You've got to be called by the Holy Spirit. But there's something about preaching that cannot be found any place outside of the church that brings people to the knowledge of the truth. That's why Satan wants to reduce the church to just a, a club or just make it like anybody else in the culture or just make it a place where the word of God can't be found. But a Holy Spirit-filled church will preach the gospel message that sin is destructive 
Jesus Christ is the answer. And Satan has no hold on you when you belong to Jesus Christ. That's the spirit of truth. <laughs> and the last thing he said there is when the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead you to Christ. He will speak only of Jesus. The Holy Spirit isn't off on tangents talking to you about some hidden meaning in the Bible or some special revelation that no one else ever had or some special power that you can get through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads people to Jesus Christ. And you can have all the experiences, you can have all the power in the world, but if you haven't led anybody to Jesus Christ, I would question if the Holy Spirit's working in you. Because if the Holy Spirit is working through us, we consider the souls of the people around us the most important thing there is. And we want them to have a relationship with Jesus Christ that begins by admitting they're sinners in need of a change. All of us have done that if we belong to Christ. We have admitted we are sinners in need of help. The Holy Spirit brought us to that place and the Holy Spirit continues to bring us to that place. Won't you stand as we bring this to a close? And I'm going to invite you, if you want to come down and spend some time with the Holy Spirit or spend some time with God, to come as we close. See, religion without the Holy Spirit simply cannot wash away your sins. And so if sin is still a part of your life, you don't have a connection with Jesus I just invite you to come down this morning and we'll be glad to pray with you and connect you to Christ. Or maybe you know Christ, but you know you've got relationship problems with some people and you need an answer. Sin is in there somewhere, but you need to know how to deal with it with people. You know the wonderful thing about knowing the Holy Spirit's in charge? That if you've got somebody in your family that has turned away from God or isn't going in the right direction... You can put them in God's hands because the Holy Spirit can find them and bring them more than you'll ever do because it is the Holy Spirit that brings them. If you want to pray about somebody that you know needs Jesus Christ, come down and talk to the Lord about it today. Sin is the problem. Let's deal with it. So as we close with this song, if you'd like to come down and pray, we'd love to pray with you. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, very God, Jesus Christ, three in one. And he goes through the world, finding people and bringing them to Jesus Christ. He brought each and every one of us to this place of finally understanding we can lay down the war we have against God and have a relationship with Holy Spirit convinces the world that they're wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. But if the Holy Spirit is working in your heart, then you have a truth about all those things. And that brings us to next week. If the Holy Spirit is here to introduce us to Jesus Christ and to speak only of Christ, then who is Jesus? Because if people are messed up about who the Holy Spirit is, they're just as messed up about who Jesus is.
But once the Holy Spirit leads you to that relationship, you're never the same again. Father, we thank you. Thank you that you called us, that you saved us, that you redeemed us. And we know we didn't deserve it, but you loved us anyway. And it is that love that has made it possible for us to be in relationship with you. Help us to understand that your spirit is indeed the spirit of truth. And if we guide, let your spirit guide us, we will come to the knowledge of the truth of your word. We will understand the gospel message and be so convinced that it is the answer to the world that we will not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we will preach it into a world that needs to hear it. So embolden us, Lord, empower us by your Holy Spirit to speak the truth in love, to know that the truth is Jesus Christ is our Redeemer. We thank you for that. Thank you for not giving up on the world. Thank you for not giving up on the church when we tend to go off in so many tangents. But Lord, you are still the truth, and we thank you for it. So bless us now as we go this week in your grace. May your Holy Spirit guide us to those that need to hear the message, and may we be able to tell it to them. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. God bless you. Tell someone indeed about Jesus this week. Singing holy.